guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, I guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, a lot of green like a pasture, a lot of busted like a pastor. Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here. I've been on the up and disappeared like the rapture. No mad raps in the cheap shirt. I'm just shopping in my Sears. I ain't no soothsayer, just a truth seeker, booth tweaker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, look at what we did. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ebbs and Flow. I am Danunaki Dan, and I am here with a fabulous group of people. We got Nomad. What's up, Nomad? Hey, hey, glad to be here. We got the Morgan B. What's up, Morgan? Hey, hey. Hey, and we got Joshua the Branch. How you doing, Joshua? Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. And um, uh, Nomad, you want to tell people where they can find you real quick before we get into everything? Yeah, you guys can find me at nomad.art. That's G-N-O-M-A-D dot art or at my Patreon, Patreon slash Nomad. And Morgan? Yeah, you can find me in the Telegram chats um, and Instagram. And then I also have a WordPress that is linked at the top of my Instagram. If you like poetry and weird things, random things. Joshua. You can find me um, on Telegram as well as Joshua, the branch. Also uh, have a YouTube channel that I'm working on. Uh, I'm going to re uploading a lot of shows that I've done with others to this channel of yeah, i'm getting around to it but, uh, what's the channel well the branch uh three three the branch oh one uh gmail is the email and but so i guess that's the name of the channel on youtube but i gotta upload everything to it um you know channels got nuked and stuff so we gotta i gotta reconstitute everything so it'll be a patchwork of a lot of different things i've done with folks but in the meantime you can find me on Telegram or on Instagram, Appalachian Aesthetic. I try Excellent. to be accessible. Appalachian what? Appalachian Aesthetic. And, oh, uh, sweet. Okay. Yep, yep. And we have a Telegram chat, too, for the uh, shows that we do. It's called the Solomon Report chat. So anybody's welcome to join that. We try to do Bible study and news uh stuff like that sometimes conspiracy theories and cryptids etc excellent um so last week we left off um in the middle not in the middle at the quarter way mark through chapter two so we're just going to kind of rehash some of chapter two um from the beginning and then uh maybe see if we can finish it all out today uh Nomad. Yeah, yeah. All right. Starting with Genesis 2, verse 1. And this is in the Young Literal Translation version. And the heavens and the earth are completed, and all their host. And God completeth by the seventh day his work which he hath made, and ceaseth by the seventh day from all his work which he hath made. And God blesseth the seventh day, and sanctifieth it. For in it he hath ceased all his work which God had prepared for making. 
These are births of the heavens and the earth in their being prepared in the day of Jehovah, God's making earth and heavens. And no shrub of the field is yet in the earth, and no herb of the field yet sprouteth. For Jehovah God hath not reigned upon the earth, and a man there is not to serve the ground. And a mist goeth up from the earth, and hath watered the whole face of the ground. And Jehovah God formeth the man dust from the ground, and breatheth into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man becometh a living creature. And Jehovah God planteth a garden in Eden at the east, and he settleth there the man whom he hath formed. And Jehovah God causeth to sprout from the ground every tree desirable for appearance and good for food, and the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river is going out from Eden to water the garden, and from hence there is parted, and hath become four chief rivers. The name of the one is Pison. It is that which is surrounding the whole land of the Havilah, where the gold is, and the gold of the land is good. There is the Bedalic and the Shahom stone, the Shoham stone. So this is kind of, I think, where we wanted to maybe re-pick mm-hmm. up, right? We were kind of, before we started recording, just started naturally talking about the, the Shamir worm and how perhaps it was related to the Shoham stone. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's S-H-O. H-A-M. Um, I'm curious because Joshua, you were saying that this is essentially from the the oral tradition is where we get the story of the Shamir worm being in the creation story. Is that correct? Yeah, we were uh, looking at a link and it mentioned the Deuteronomical, Deuteronomical <laughs> uh, canonical <laughs> texts. So it seems to suggest that it is a commentary or perhaps the oral tradition or what some would maybe refer to as a twilight language um, that would accompany you know the written torah Um, so you can also find it in the testament of solomon the shamir worm but uh you know so it would be fun to trace down the source you know if it be some like old scroll or <laughs> i don't know exactly where it has come from but right. we, were, we were reading about it and it seems to relate to a green stone which um morgan was talking about all the different varieties of onyx so it seems to suggest that there's some type of relationship between stones and this creature uh, didn't you liken it to like a termite but for stone yeah, so it reminded me of, you know, we have termites that can eat through wood. So it's not a uh, far of a leap to imagine a creature that would eat through stone. And, you know, it's interesting that it's called Onyx. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Pokemon, but there was a yeah. Pokemon called Onyx and it was literally like a stone worm. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was just a random connection I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but yes, yeah, so in, and this is just a quick read off of Wikipedia, but it says other earlier good. sources. Thank you. Uh, Other earlier sources, however, describe it as a green stone. And then you look up. uh, So we have onyx. It's a green stone, potentially. And so this all seems to sort of correlate with perhaps the 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 Soham stone being the Shamir worm. So, yeah, very interesting. Also, it kind of notes pale green there um, on one of those links you showed. And if you go to Revelation, um, 
I think in maybe seven and nine and 14, it talks about the green, um, the, the locusts go after everything, but what's green, the green tree, the green grass, and those who have the seal of the living God on their forehead. So it almost suggests that it too is something like green. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that's the same shade, but then the, uh, we talked about the four rivers as well. And, uh, it's under the Euphrates, which is one of those four that the four horsemen are under. And one of them, the pale one is actually pale green. That's it's chloros is the right. word that's used. And that's like uh, bleach, the color of bleach essentially. Yeah. yeah so um, in, where I was just going to say real quick, where we get the writ, written story of the Shamir worm is from Solomon's Testament, uh, which is a manuscript that we have found. So that's kind of the written part of the Shamir worm. But then, yeah, like you were saying, Joshua, sort of the oral tradition passed on from the Jewish people is where we get that story from um, the beginning in the Torah. But perhaps this is where in written form we actually see it right in front of our eyes. It's just been translated so differently over time. Yeah. So it also mentioned uh, on that other link there, it did mention a couple of other sources. Um, the Midrashim, if you hover over that, it might kind of say what that is. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, to go mid- ahead and, and read this uh, page from uh, Wiki about the Shamir, because I, I'm pretty sure 90% of people have never even heard of the Shamir yeah. worm. Uh, so so that picture on the right there showing it in like two stages, like a larval, and notice it's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. So did the Pokemon evolve? What's the second stage <laughs> of Onyx? <laughs> Let's look. I'm not sure. I don't. It, it, it requires a stone Steelix? to do that. Felix. Oh, he does. Right? I think they added on, though. I don't think that was an original. I don't remember it being possible in uh, like the blue and red versions. Yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. He was a basic kind of Pokemon. That was okay. before everything got crazy. There's a. No, I know he was a basic one. I just didn't know if he had. The top right. Because like these are the newer ones. I didn't so. expect that that Pokemon would relate to this. That's so hilarious. Yeah, Onyx, Steelix, and Mega Steelix. But I think in the original ones, it was just, it's Onyx, just Onyx. If yeah. I remember, wasn't it? Uh huh. Yeah. I don't remember it being spelled that way though. I think that, I know. I thought it was. Yeah, like I thought it was Y X. That a mandala effect? <laughs> it is. It's O N Y X. I think these people just spelled it wrong. Yeah. Well, I it's spelled it wrong too. So, <laughs> so, oh, so you're getting all the images out. It's okay. O N Y X, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're still coming up. I. <laughs> oh, really? It vibrates to the number six, by the way. Oh, wow. That oh, is an angel effect, guys. <laughs> just had to say. Yeah. Maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. That's probably all the main. I thought it was a YX too, but that's how the actual rock is spelled too, though, with a Y, right? Yeah. I could see them out of yeah. yes. that. Yes. That 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 I can't even believe they're letting this happen. It's O N Y. Okay. Like, that's just what it is. Oh, okay. There it goes. It says that they're uh, reputed to have existed in the time of Moses 
as one of the 10 wonders created on the eve of the first Sabbath. So that would be on Friday evening uh, as the sun's going down. That would be that moment, twilight, well, so which uh, is the which Ragnarok, by the way, translates to twilight. of the, uh, So would that be this time then in verse 12 here? Maybe. And uh, a lot of times stones would be like uh, a boundary marker too. Um, sometimes they use they use rivers, trees, and rocks mm -hmm. all, most often. Yeah, okay. it, it further helps one to follow the path alone, promoting the recognition of personal strengths and assisting one in understanding the reality of the moment. It helps become the master of one's future. In case you're wondering. It says the gaze of the Shamir is what disintegrates this this stone. So oh, well, it's, it's a child. It's a child to see stone. So it's like easy to. It's not a crystal. Well, it talks in Zechariah. It talks about a uh, Yahweh engraving a stone with seven eyes. Um, so I wonder if it's some type of reference to the Shamir as if maybe it were uh, extinct and he you know, brings it back or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's crazy that's or far-fetched, but because far Solomon used it to, to build the first temple because you couldn't use a hammer to build the temple. You couldn't, right. He wasn't uh, allowed to use anything that could be used for war, so he had to seek out the Shamir worm. There's a Pokemon the far-fetched too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which is what the Sabbath is all about, is peace. So it kind of makes sense that it was created like right before. But didn't when you were reading in Genesis, weren't were we actually given life on the Sabbath day? Like our bodies were created on the sixth day, I think, but it looks like we were given life after the Sabbath began. Is that is that how I was understanding it? um i'm not sure did he breathe in our nostrils yeah Hold i was on. trying to make because if so that's something i never caught i was just curious like what he, day we were on. uh yeah actually that is no we're we're on day seven yeah because i thought we were in chapter two now but i wasn't sure if it, like you know how sometimes the bible jumps around i wasn't sure yeah completed the seventh day Wow. Yeah, so is, now, isn't seven. that amazing, guys? So on the Sabbath. So when, it, you know, the uh, Pharisees accused Christ of working on the Sabbath, he's like, why well, he was doing the Lord's work. Right. Well, here we see the mm -hmm. Lord himself, our creator, doing work on the Sabbath. He he gave yeah. us life on the Sabbath. So I think that's very powerful. And what yeah. was Christ doing? And, and he was picking wheat in the field. Which the Shamir, of course, is likened into like a grain. <laughs> so I just kind of blows my mind a little bit, man. Joshua, it's crazy you mentioned that because my mom had actually started listening to these podcasts and uh, she brought that up because you said something about uh, Jesus like obeying all the laws, the all of the laws from yeah. the Torah or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, how do you, I guess, uh, look at Reconcile that? Reconcile that. Well, the thing is, he was a priest, and the priests did work on the Sabbath. It was their job. Okay. So the Levites and such were expected to work. Um, the thing was, you got your labor done before the Sabbath, so you didn't have to cut wood or whatever on the Sabbath. So that was kind of the idea there. But then the priests still had to work. And so 
um, he, when he's healing on the Sabbath and doing these things on the Sabbath, he's like, well, I'm doing, (laughs) I'm doing my job guys. Like leave me alone basically is what he was trying to say, but they didn't, they wouldn't recognize him as a high priest. So they didn't, there was a, they weren't making the connection there because they didn't want to see him as that, you know, of course, go ahead. (laughs) Do you see that as still, um, like we're very much supposed to abide by exactly how it was laid out or is it more of like how jesus was saying in your view that uh the like the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so like these are things that we should be looking at to guide our lives but it's not necessarily like you're gonna go to hell if you if you have some wheat on the sabbath or if you pick some wheat yeah well a lot of times too you got to look at whether or not something is a vocational thing you know well the levites have to follow the law i mean they literally like they and they they have to so i don't they even they had seven extra allowed. it wasn't just the 613 but a an additional seven for a total of 620 so they mm-hmm. had a lot of laws <laughs> they're probably like and they can't break any of them so and if they did they could get zapped dead uh, when they went into the temple inner sanctuary. Or you better bring a she-goat. <laughs> and that's why they had to tie a, uh, a cable toe to their ankle was so that if they got zapped dead, they could drag them out. So that's Holy where that cow. comes from. I forgot about that. I totally yeah, man. forgot about that. That's a witness to God's demand for pure purity <laughs> uh and see what, what's interesting is he would inspect them like they would the passover lamb so you bring the passover lamb in and inspect it for blemishes and then you sacrifice it you know so in a way these levite priests are like lambs too and they're in there under the eye of god and if they f- are found with blemish they just get zapped I don't know. Did Aaron die that way? I don't recall. I don't. We need to know what happened to Aaron. But anyway, (laughs) that that's something that happened to a lot of priests. uh, So that uh, you even see that in the Masonic tradition, they use the cable toe around the neck. I don't understand why they don't put it around the leg, but that's where it comes from. Uh, The necktie also. There's the because it's. The because if you are beheaded, like that is there's something more to that, like on your like the way you die, like it has a lot to say about and how it I don't know where you're going next, I guess I could say, or like it humiliates you different ways. And um it's just I guess reflection on whoever does it to you, but Beheading someone is like one of the most grotesque and humiliating ways you can kill someone. Um, but it's and one other thing to note is that Christ's crucifixion occurred um, on a Friday evening as well. So as we're you know coming to the end of the sixth day and beginning the seventh day Sabbath, that too is when Christ was crucified. So he was doing work there. That's when the great work was completed, that God created everything and completed his great work. Christ completed his great work on the cross as well. So I just find all those things very compelling. I mean, he was indeed the high priest. Um, and just it's really quite amazing how often <laughs> these epiphanies. It circles in. Surface. It cycles in, folds in with each other, this whole 
It's but, very, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he would have had to keep, and see, that's what makes his death so interesting because he would have had to keep all 620 walls and, and die in that pristine state where he had kept all those laws. And uh, yeah. that's why you also see whenever he um, comes back, he can't let anybody touch him before he ascends to heaven because that would defile his, I guess, his light body perhaps or whatever it is that's going on there. But Didn't uh, Thomas touch him? Well, uh, excuse me, women. The one woman couldn't touch him. Oh, okay. I see. So, yeah, because that's one of the walls. Okay. Um, maybe it was my last wish or something like that. Well, <laughs> but, but it was. You're something. not a high priest. Yeah, but there's certain laws. I know. I know. It's a joke. It's a joke. But yeah, Thomas did, and that's uh, the holes in his hand, correct? Yes, yeah, and the side, I think, as well. Oh yeah. Thank you. Jeez, so. you guys have been reading your Bibles lately. I haven't done a Bible study in like ten years. Oh yeah, every day. <laughs> God, you're you're studying now. <laughs> well, I have, yeah, I've gone further. I'm like in uh, Exodus right now, personally. Exodus but, is awesome. I love oh it. my God! I'm about to can live through that? it again. <laughs> I know. Um, um, Nomad, can you go back to the sh Shamir though, and and read that Wikipedia page of the Shamir, yeah. uh, just to yeah, give so people just to an give idea, everyone some context. Mm -hmm. Gemara. Okay. So in the Gemara, the Shamir is a worm or a substance that has the power to cut through or disintegrate stone, iron, and diamond. King Solomon is said to have used it in the building of the first temple in Jerusalem in the place of cutting tools. For the building of the temple, which promoted peace, it was inappropriate to use tools that could also cause war and bloodshed. Referenced throughout the Talmud and the Mirashim, and the Shamir was reputed to have existed in the time of Moses as one of the ten wonders created on the eve of the first Sabbath. Okay, the eve of the first Sabbath. And we're talking about the seventh day and how... This is crazy because I never really put the two and two together. But as we're reading this, it's it is sounding like God was doing a lot of work on the Sabbath, but then like resting at the end of it. Am yeah. I am I understanding that correctly? How did I miss that my whole life? Well, he created everything. So the work he did here seems to be more like spiritual, like it, uh, he did the material work, all the heavy lifting and everything. And then it's almost like on the seventh day, he breathed life into man made it rain and ha had all the crops grow it's like it was like putting a cherry on top or the polishing something you know <laughs> i don't know how to yeah. well it says yes yeah, so finishing like, touches uh as one of yeah as one of the 10 wonders created on the eve of the first sabbath just before yahweh finished creation um, um what, what it says as one of the 10 wonders what are the other nine yeah, interesting, huh? Probably I mean, material, like, to be worked with. <laughs> probably metallurgy, probably wood. Well, what right? else is it saying in this in this verse? I mean, I guess it's saying shrubs and herbs and food. I mean, yeah, I don't you know. Can, you can live. Hey, you can like survive. You got to till your land. You gotta feed it sometimes. There's something there about the east. Um, 
Eden was in the east. There we go. And God and Jehovah planted Eden. Well, when they left and went, um, they went even further east, I thought, in the second creation. There is a map you can look up. Um, it's called a T and O map. Mm-hmm. And it depicts paradise in the east. And okay, yeah. this, these are the lands of Shem. Um, yep. But that's after the flood. So this would even be before that. So Shem would inherit the area where Eden allegedly was. Um, there we go. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Um, that white one in the middle is a good one because it actually labels paradise it's um this one uh, yeah well i'm sorry no it was a different one uh it says paradise right there y'all see america on there anywhere oh i'm sorry i thought it did (laughs) It's it's one that looks like that. It has it. But uh, anyway, um, it's interesting, though, because the Shem inherits the lands after the flood. Um, they could be like division stones, too, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And these lines represent rivers. So the rivers we're reading about, some of them are the very same rivers there and which they all connect right that's one thing that we sort of picked up on in one of our last readings it It doesn't what i didn't name it though the fountainhead (laughs) which is the name of it does eventually i can find that out eventually Well, then it didn't it get it. So it didn't it's, give a it's name like a it. crank. It's like a wheel. Literally, it's like a like a wheel. It'll just like a hurricane or whatever. That's what it is. So once it starts spinning, once you put a coin in or a cog or whatever they did, I don't know. Um, it starts circling. Yeah. So and a river, that's all they say. And then it separates <laughs> right? into the well, that's four. How- so, yeah. But essentially, it's just it's just like it isn't really anything until you divide it up and start naming it. So it kind of makes sense um, to me anyway. Um, Christ also makes the reference whenever he's in the temple that he is the water of life. And if you drink from his mouth, you become like him. So you could be making kind of a reference to something like that in paradise where they're the source of all waters it could be referring to like that prime primordial river <laughs> right. whatever it is the nameless river <laughs> okay well should we get back to the shamir worm sorry for that yeah, little tangent but i think that no was worries. that was good all right so here we are moses reputi- reputedly used the shamir to engrave the hoshen priestly breastplate stones that were inserted into the breastplate King Solomon, aware of the existence of the Shamir, but unaware of its location, commissioned a search that turned up a grain of Shamir the size of a barley corn. Solomon's artisans reputedly used the Shamir in the construction of Solomon's temple. The material to be worked, whether stone, wood, or metal, was affected by being shown to the Shamir. By being shown to the Shamir. Okay. That's an interesting <laughs> yeah, terminology. Yeah. What? 
This has to be like hungry eyes. <laughs> um, I looked up what the ten wonders yeah, were that were hungry. created. Uh, the the ten wonders that God created on the Sabbath. It says uh, the compiled list: ten things were created on the eve of Shabbat at twilight. They are the rainbow, the manna, the mouth of the earth, the mouth of the ass, the tablets, the letters, the writing, Moses's grave, the well, and the shamir. Dude. Right there? Dude. <laughs> Thank you. But, and what is that from, that. though? Do, do you know? Uh, it says, Bien Hamashat uh, Creation at Twilight Safaria uh, S-E-F-A-R-I-A dot org Safaria There's okay. there's three different like actual ones though like the rainbow is a symbol of a covenant so he'll yeah. never flood us again it's really quite remarkable um so yeah I keep reading yeah i just sorry i just wanted to bring up what those other wonders were it's interesting that yeah no that's great uh, moses's grave was made too because i thought moses didn't it, it even exist later until yeah. exodus so he had already pre-planned moses's death before even creating the tablets man <laughs> yeah or just at, at barely at creating man so that's interesting that that's one of the works you know this is maybe, also called maybe maybe because god's evening or day or however you uh reconcile that is because that encompasses so much amount of time uh to us to us because it's uh like an ant's life is different to a human's life so an ant has like they only live like a few days to us but to them they probably live hundreds of years in their <laughs> perspective you know yeah. Well, I also wonder like where we actually get the original story of the of those ten wonders because where didn't we get the rainbow later technically in the yeah. Bible? Well, like, um, we got that from Noah. Moses's grave too, right. letters and writing too. Those are all things that happened way later. That's why I'm saying maybe his day, his eve, was still all part of that until Christ got crucified, which is what Joshua, I guess, was kind of alluding to was. Was that that well, that dude. ended the seventh day was when Jesus actually got crucified? <laughs> You're blowing my mind. That's crazy. Very interesting. I'm you blew my mind. You're the one. Telling, I'm just. <laughs> well, I'm just. Yeah, and and the and it refers to it as his great work too. I thought that was a really interesting way to phrase it. Yeah. Well, he write like letters literally with the stars in the sky like yeah i got a picture of that so, thanks for reminding me I'll, I'll yeah so he would write a letter and then so you know you have to do things three times to consummate it or whatever so he would write a letter and then people would write another letter symbol and then they would name it they named the dog you know what i mean so that made it an actual constellation in the sky mm. That's how that That's works. Fascinating. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so I'll keep reading yeah, here. Carry on. We're almost done with this part. So I'll just reread that last sentence. 
The material to be worked, whether stone, wood, or metal, was affected by being shown to the Shamir. Following this line of logic, anything that can be shown, something must have eyes to see. Early rabbinical scholars described the Shamir almost as a living being. Other early sources, however, describe it as a green stone. For storage, the Shamir was meant to have been always wrapped in wool and stored in a container made of lead. Any other vessel would burst and disintegrate under the Shamir's gaze. The Shamir was said to have been either lost or had lost its potency, along with the dripping of the honeycomb by the time of the destruction of the first temple at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. So yeah, that's uh, some brief history on the Shamir worm, if anyone... I've never heard of that familiar. in my entire life. Yeah. And I there is like... Like Joshua was kind of uh, mentioning in Revelation, how it talks about the the pale horse, um, which pale in the original text is green. Um, so that kind of does correspond. And I've heard from other scholars that when the Shamir worm returns, it's sort of the ushering in of the return of the Messiah. So that Amen. is an interesting connection. Mm-hmm. Let me know if y'all see the Shamir. I guess I'll find I'll out. Keep my eyes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Shamir would help fulfill the prophecy of a temple ma- not made with human hands. So oh, that's right. sometimes language you hear regarding that kind of thing. I also shared more for that prophecy in the chat. Um, and Zechariah 3.9, there's the stone with seven eyes. And that too reminds me of the Shamir. And that's associated with the return of the Messiah. Zechariah 3.9. Mm. Which is interesting because this writing about the Shamir is in the hot. Uh, it said that Moses used it to engrave the breastplate of the Hoshin. Mm-hmm. Well, Hoshin looks a lot like my name, Josh, Joshin, Joshua. <laughs> so I was like, wait a second. That's kind of weird because the character in this Zechariah portion is this is where I get my name, the branch from Joshua. My name's Joshua, and it's the branch because his name Joshua in this. So apparently, the Shamir have something to do with that because that name means salvation. It's the same name as Jesus, except it's uh, like the Jesus is the Greek, Joshua is like the Hebrew. It's Joshua or Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Like I'm making a lot of connections here I never made before. So I was I gotta listening to it off. this morning in my car, and that's how like like real jews were saying it like sure yes she will yeah cool it was like oh what was it again (laughs) yes she walk all right yeah that's the ephod there we go cool so uh is onyx on there yeah it is that's ephraim apparently Third son of what's his name? The ephod breastplate from Exodus twenty-eight seventeen, and oh, I lost the um. And thou shalt set it, uh, and thou shalt set in it settings of stone, even four rows of stone. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz. And a carbuncle. This shall be the first row, and the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, 
an agate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, a barrel, beryl, a B-E-R-Y-L, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. This is the breastplate that the high priests wore when they were handling the Ark of the Covenant, correct? Did they also use this breastplate yes. for other things besides the Ark of the Covenant? Or Yeah, it, it's, it's like what he had to wear all the time, right? Didn't he just wear it? Well, I think he he had to use it when he was uh, engaging or, or around the was it the tabernacle. The tabernacle. He yeah, couldn't go into the tabernacle without that. Or white linen. It was like a protection thing. It seems like, mm-hmm. and it's interesting yeah. that as we were reading about the shamir worm, it had to be wrapped uh, in enclosed in lead, right? And so mm-hmm. perhaps it was like radioactive or something. That's one way to look at it. Well, yeah. if it set its gaze it on anything, it would go right. It said it would go through stone and diamond. So <laughs> it would like go right through your, it was like a laser beam going through your flesh if its eyes were open. So you had to cover its eyes. So it was like uh, Cyclops from X Men. Yeah, man. That's yeah, why I, I think. Well, it was also not supposed to be used for war, though. So, or like, I wonder if it actually could hurt people. Or if it was more of just maybe yeah. to maybe it was just to protect the worm and keep it potent. Listen, it's a tool. Who's ever using it is how it's going to be used, how they want it to use. There is an example of an eye like that being used in that way. Um, there is in the Celtic stories. There's a giant named Balor, and he's like king of the Fomorians, I think, the giants. He's got an eye on his forehead that he covers with seven uh, veils. And each time he removes a veil, the the, the beam <laughs> grows in intensity and power. And uh, so it kind of reminds me of the Shamir here with seven eyes. Um, the interesting thing that I just noticed is that each of these 12 are associated with one of the tribes of Israel also. Mm-hmm. Um, and planets. I never, I, knew, I never knew that before. I'll keep going down. What's, it's, Dan's not on there, of course. Um, do you know what was planets they're associated with Dan? also? Dan was uh, replaced, I think, by Manasseh. He was um, kicked oh. out. I thought Manasseh was uh, split up later from another tribe that kind of went away and then they broke two tribes up and created 12. Wow. Yeah, I don't think they were initially picked, but then after the Dan thing, I think they were uh, promoted in a, or something of that nature. I'm not re- exactly sure. They weren't like the first round pick of the draft or <laughs> whatever, I don't think. But um, and I think Benjamin, in, I think, was the that's in Genesis, first to be though, born. right? Uh, the generations are, yeah, and and so the sons we'll, of uh, Jacob. Yeah, we'll get to that. Then. And then, Dan, have you heard of, uh, so I read this somewhere. It says, we may assume that Moses originally wrote Laish, which was later Laish. changed to Dan. Lion. Laish, yeah. Means lion. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It says Dan okay. goes to the north 
uh, out of his original place, and then he go he goes to Leish and he changed his Leish to Dan, and then Leish is the lion. Uh, yeah, the lion's den. Yep. And that is also Onyx because it is from uh, the const the constellation. It's from Leo. Hold on, let me get this book back out. So they're related to both lions and serpents, and there is a lion serpent. There's even legends around here that the Native Americans had of a lion-headed serpent that would lived in the rivers and stuff, mm-hmm. and it had impenetrable scales and everything. The only there you way go. you could kill it was shooting it in the eyes with arrows or whatever. That's the, <laughs> That's the ships. Because the Dan, Dan so it might have existed. They're, they're the sea merchants. <laughs> Uh, the sea peoples that it talks about in uh, different stories, uh, raiding Egypt and other places where the tribe of Dan, the the mercantile class, which I think was like the naval branch of like uh, the of Israel, because they were the ones that were on the outside of it also, and also they were the judges, so they were the ones that judged all of Israel later. Uh, all the other tribes. So it seems like they're kind of always, always on the outside of everything. Yeah. And uh, Daniel watching the book of Daniel. I love the Cowboys. Judgment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get back to Bible. Um, where were we at here? Well, I'll go back to the stone and we can kind of read from there. Let's finish. I'll just recover and then just stop me whenever you guys want to chat about something. So starting at verse 13, chapter two of Genesis. And the name of the second river is Gibbon. It is that which is surrounding the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Hidekel. It is that which is going east of Ashur. And the fourth river is Frat. And Jehovah God taketh the man and causeth him to rest in the garden of Eden, to serve it and to keep it. And Jehovah God layeth a charge on the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden eating thou dost eat, and of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou dost not eat of it, for in the day of thine eating of it dying thou dost die. (laughs) And Jehovah God saith, Not good for the man to be alone, I do make to him a helper as his counterpart. So should we stop there a little bit and go over the trees, the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Sure. And yeah. there's the tree of life also, like beside it. The tree of what? Life is beside the tree of knowledge. That's what they said this morning. Uh, so what do you guys think of the tree or the of knowledge and good and evil? Have you got? Do you guys have any strong opinions on that? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, go for it, Joshua. <laughs> you take this one, buddy. Well, um, we weren't supposed to eat from the tree of knowledge and then evil, at least not initially. And instead, we were supposed to eat from the tree of life. And this is obedience to the word of God and things of that nature. And so I think we kind of touched on this in a previous show about how how different is the world today than maybe what was originally intended. And so had we never eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
our works would have only been of the tree of life, um, which would be full of only good fruit. So I kind of see it in such a way that the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, you don't know which fruits are good and bad. And um, it's not always immediately that you find that out. You know, imagine having to forage for your food and not knowing when you're eating something, if it's going to kill you or not, you know, and that's kind of the same way with technology. I kind of see that as being kind of the product or the fruits that come from eating of this tree. You know, for instance, like um, atomic energy, you know, it's like a fruit that we're eating, maybe produce what seems to be clean energy, but then how long from now might we find out that it's really not such a good idea? I mean, look at Fukushima, for instance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I think that humans without having a long lifespan, um, we can't really see consequences of, of our behavior a lot of times. And I think that what we see here is this is when disobedience first entered into the whole picture. And if we pay really close attention here, we're going to notice that every sense of the human body was involved in the fall, except for smell. So you'll notice that when we read this. And so the smells seem to be like the holiest of all of the senses. In fact, can you even think of a way that you can sin with smell? I mean, can you? <laughs> well, that's interesting so, yeah i like that that's a very very good point uh and because, he breathes yes. the life through our nose i've, I've wow. thought about this the closest you could come i think is like perfume or cologne where you're trying to maybe attract attention to yourself that's probably the closest you could come to so but even then it's more of the act of putting it on it wouldn't yeah, necessarily exactly. be smelling someone else's right <laughs> i guess you could maybe be like like a gluttonous like oh i just need that smell <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 only the best or whatever but uh so you know that's food for thought right is to consider that and one other thing that we should discuss here about the tree of knowledge um is it's not an apple tree so you know maybe talk about why that is that it's been changed why is it popularly an apple i mean it's one of the oldest memes that I am aware of is that the tree of knowledge of a needle is an apple tree when in fact it's never characterized that way. And immediately mm -hmm. following the fall, they uh, realize they're naked and they cover themselves with fig leaves. So it stands to reason that they would cover themselves with the leaves from the very tree that they had eaten from, which is interesting because um, Christ gives us the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24, 32, and talks about the fig tree's leaves in particular. So um, when I started studying this, I noticed that the phrase fig leaf comes up a lot in the news, and it's usually meant to refer to some type of embarrassment or something like that. And uh, I just think it's interesting how often it still comes up in the midst of the time when we seem to be seeing the fulfillment of it, which it's kind of like, I guess, Israel's embarrassment is what it'll amount to or something like that. Would, like they'll uh, be caught naked with a fig leaf. Well, the fig is like they, they figured it out. 
they ate from knowledge. So now they have understanding. That's interesting way to there look at go. it too. Yeah. And uh, also and, uh, uh, figure as knowledge is uh, writing uh, and arithmetic, math. Uh, so, and and math is called, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Figures. When when you you have to figure out the equation or whatnot. So, and then a human being is also a figure. Uh, there's yeah different types of ideas of figures. So, uh, uh, statues are often figures too. So they they animated themselves by eating from the tree of knowledge. That's interesting. It uh, says something about it opens their eyes too. So. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that, like puppy they, were <laughs> they were asleep. They were asleep. Well, yeah. Adam's asleep. Adam's in a deep sleep. He's not even like really born yet. So they're kind of just asleep, creating their reality and their dreams. Yes, that's kind of like a endless slumber. They were just in the endless Sabbath rest. I think that's it was just Adam. Yeah. Do it. Um, um, uh, there was one more thing I wanted to mention about that, though. Um, so remember last time we were talking about the Anunnaki tree and how they were using the yes. sign of the fig with their fists. Yeah, with their fists. So, I mean, you know, think about that too in this context. It, it was that the tree of knowledge and good and evil that they were standing in front of. Yes. Doing oh there? my God. So it could represent technology or some type of, I mean, I don't know, man, <laughs> but it seems to be something you could eat fruit off of. So I think that's really interesting. Imagine now just imagine for a moment some type of strange technology that that it's a tree or something. And when you eat something off of it, you learn something, you know, kind of like Neo in the Matrix where they jack his brain up and he learns Kung Fu. Well, imagine eating a piece of fruit and learning a language or gaining like the schematics to build something in your mind you know like that's pretty wild that's stuff. not even yeah it's automatic you mean so that like, would be a god to food, work for right? it it's like hey yeah. you guys aren't allowed to touch this one this one's mine i eat yeah. this one i need inspiration or something you know and so <laughs> we're not allowed to touch it knowledge and so that's Maybe. the thing is when we yeah, we were tricked into eating it because ye shall be as gods right yeah. Uh, what does God do? God creates things. So I think it's something that was maybe reserved for God, which is why we see these Anunnaki beings kind of pictured with it too. So when we eat, eat from that, we had a sinful nature. So therefore we're not allowed to live forever anymore because inevitably we would use this knowledge to destroy ourselves and everything else. And I think that's why the more, the more we eat from this tree, the shorter our lifespans get. So we think we're increasing our life right now, but even the best of us are barely living past 120. Whereas Adam, uh, I think, talked out around a thousand. So I think that whenever the millennial reign is established, we'll again get to eat from this tree of life after having eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because so we'll be we'll birthed. The, yeah, we'll get to live. We'll be awake. Like, we'll probably um, only get to live as long as Adam, though, at that time, I think. Hey, I'll be grateful. Just but then in spirit afterwards, but I think there'll be some people that get to live for a thousand years on the earth, kind of like mm -hmm. they were intended in, in the beginning with Eden. So 
that's why I think the parable, the fig tree is very important because it's talking about how the tree won't get the fruit. And it, uh, then in Revelation 6, 13, it talks about a mighty wind shaking the fig tree and it casting its figs, um, even though they're not ripe, uh, as if it were shaken by a great wind. So it would be this very tree right here, I think, that's shaken by a mighty wind. And also Christ curses the fig tree um, in one story as well, because it did not have fruit. So, you know, Christ returns to judge the world and the trees that don't have fruit are cursed from the root up. Whereas the ones that do are um, judged accordingly. Uh, also there's seven, I'm sorry, no man, I didn't mean to talk over you. And then in, there's seven churches in Asia and they're judged and two of the five are found in good favor. And that's the church of Philadelphia. And then the church of Smyrna, Smyrna is a female type of fig. And you can't eat the male figs. They're naughty and you can't eat them. Smyrna fig, however, it, and they call the male fig a goat fig, by the way. But the Smyrna fig is the female fig that can be eaten. And so Smyrna and Philadelphia are the only two found good. So I think that that too probably relates to the uh, fig tree prophecy. These um seven churches of asia perhaps relating also to the fig and of course where did we see the earthquakes the this week in turkey, turkey. yeah yeah so that is there's trees the right. trees being shaken perhaps in a sense it is so, and you know that was on purpose you can edit that out so yeah thanks for letting me riff on the fig tree uh i think it's i, got, I think that's what we're looking at here i got yeah i got three things to add to that one is um, there's a story in Norse mythology about Iduna's apples and is Odin that eats the apples and keeps his uh, youthful appearance. If he doesn't eat the apples, he starts to deteriorate, deteriorate. Whoa. and Loki steals the apples from him and uh, gives them to the giants as collateral to get somebody back. I forget the whole story, but uh, eventually... Loki brings back the apples and all as well, uh, except for Loki who gets punished. But um, the apples seem to have some type of effect of youthfulness um, that is for Odin, which is one of the gods. So it's, I think, probably the idea of the apple uh, probably came from, the, you know, some of the Norse mythology and them sharing some of the mythologies with each other. Uh and then Iduna and Eden sound very similar. So I wonder if maybe an that apple has, a day. Yeah, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I I think I heard of the pomegranate being related to the tree um, because if you look at the top of it, it's like the star of david i i think it's a it's a six there's like six points at the at the top um are you looking that up oh. i don't know but well the i remember hearing something about pomegranate and the high priest and their garments your palms. we can use our palms um if you so i was trying to look up look the up the pomegranate, pomegranate. yeah the golden plate was fixed in the air. 
I can uh, offer some commentary on the Pomeranian. Yeah, go for it. Um, They topped the pillars as decorations, and I think in some cases maybe the curtains. You'll also find it on the High Priestess tarot card. It's on the veil behind her. She's sitting Uh in the throne holding the Torah scroll. It has the crown on it. And then behind her is the veil, and it's got pomegranates all over it. But anyway, each one of the seeds in a pomegranate is separated and compartmentalized, and each represents a commandment in the Torah. So when she's holding the Torah scroll there, she's holding all of the commandments in her hand. So there would be at least 613 for everybody in general. But for the priest, or high priestess in this case, or Christ, whomever, whomever is a priest would have 620. Uh, of course, there weren't women priests. So that's what's so interesting about the high priestess card. She's sitting somewhere she technically wouldn't normally be. And but if, um, Yeah, if you look at it, it looks like a crown. And then if you push down each of the corners, yes. it forms the six-pointed star. They're, uh, that is that is fruit. cool. I was wondering. I'm glad you brought that up, Dan, because I was always curious. Because when I've been doing this bell research, the pomegranates kept coming up by the high priests, and I had no idea really the correlation. But you bringing up the fact that the top of it, when spread out, makes that star. That that's a great connection. Thank you for that. Well, notice here also with the bells, they got the the blue and the red. The blue represents the law. The red represents the blood. Or the red of the pomegranate in this case, and um, so, and then the third thing that I was going to mention is that uh, I I kind of see Adam as like the prototype of human, uh, so like he wanted to create out of Adam more humans. That's why he saw that he was perfect, and he set him in the garden. Like this is my this is my perfect piece right here so i'm going to put this in my garden with all the other things that i did great and then i'm going to use him to create more humans with it. almost like a like a uh what's that called uh in an experiment where you have uh the, the like one terrarium that, no the one the one part of the experiment oh, control control yeah and so he put him there and then he was using uh his his blood or whatnot for other humans because when you get into the sumerian story it seems like they create the perfect adamu and then that adamu is what they use to create all the other humans after the fact and interestingly i was reading up on the sumerian text and i did misspeak last time and they had seven women of the anunnaki and seven more so there's 14 total and they would each have seven uh the seven would have seven boys and the other seven would have seven girls and they did carry them for full term 10 months i think i said before like three or four months it was shorter but it was actually a full term until they realized that they couldn't um keep up with the demand and then so that's why uh in some way they created them to be able to breed on their own so this idea of eating from the tree of knowledge and then covering their parts is maybe because they didn't actually have parts before to reproduce with because they were clones or um um you know whatnot homunculi homunculi gnomes or whatever um so 
they 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 that was how the creation process worked in the in the Sumerian text. So uh, you know, and some some of it gets crossed over. So I just kind of wonder if maybe there are some um, other things going on too that maybe weren't put into the Bible necessarily. Well, there's just a lot that's not put in the Bible, but a lot it, it is. <laughs> you guys, have anything on that? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, those apples were very interesting. It reminded me a lot of what we're reading here about the tree of knowledge and good and evil, or or adrenochrome. That kind of reminded me of that too. Apples. Apples come in a variety of colors, too. So, well, and apples is kind of also a general term for um, like certain things that are fruits that have hallucinogenic or psychotropic type properties. It can be uh, like thorn apple, for instance, is very much (laughs) that an example of that. Well, an apple has feminine qualities, right? When you cut it open, it makes uh, the five-pointed star. Vagina. And the yoni. Well, it, it, is, it is that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it is. It's a it's a union of uh, pollen and, and ovum produce the yep. fruit. It's strictly feminine. That's oh. So maybe Speaking the eating of eating the, of the apple is referring to sexual things. It is. Yeah, like a euphemism for a extremely conservative audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, did I mention how the fig tree uh, has to be fertilized by a wasp? Yeah, I think you mentioned that last time. That yeah. was interesting. Can you look and up uh, what a fig tree looks like? I'm interested in like what the leaves look like and the 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 fig itself. Sorry, go ahead, Joshua. It's also interesting. It doesn't really talk about fruit at all, though. In the passage, it really just says they eat of the tree, but it doesn't say anything about fruit. Oh yeah, like they could have just ate the leaves or something. <laughs> well, he the serpent comes along later and talks about. Yeah, later it leaves. probably yeah. does. But uh, these are one so of my favorite serpent. things to eat. Sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I'll add a couple of things here about the fig. Uh, there's one growing outside the church that I started going to, and the fig season, uh, you would get your leaves starting and whatnot in the spring. And then by the time September, October rolls around is when the figs are on the tree and ripe. So this is around Judgment Day, which is uh, Yom Kippur in the fall so the figs get shaken off a tree that's not quite ripe like right there they're not quite ripe right there so it's at that time that in revelation 6 13 a great wind would shake the fig tree and whether they're ripe or not they would fall off and so it would be that right there is like late august is is what you're looking at right there which it talks about the parable of the fig tree summer is nigh he says so it's like it's not gonna the fruit's not gonna have time to actually ripen on the tree so we're not gonna actually get to september october november is when the everything starts to kind of 
go away on the fig tree. So it would suggest like the end of the world, quote unquote, <laughs> would happen on uh, in like the late summer, right before the fall, right before the fall, <laughs> which we're talking about the original fall right now. Mark, so yeah, Mark, um, you also eat a wasp when you're eating fig. Oh, um, I was just gonna say that like, um, okay, so this, um, you know the. I'm sorry, I can't like clearly. Uh, uh, we can't this read that. Sign. No, I'm just trying to show you, <laughs> you know that sign, right? See the highlighted portion, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so it happens in Pisces, and um, it says that. Uh, hold on, I just like lost my train of thought for a second. Um. It says that it is amongst the revelations that once they start, because you keep going and then I'll get my thoughts um, correct. And then interestingly, on that picture that you showed of the fig, the green fig that was not yet ripe, look, it says Peter's honey. Yeah, restoring Eden. Oh, a type of fig. I'd never heard of that type before. So like Smyrna, for instance, oh, type in Smyrna fig. Then we can see what a Smyrna fig looks like. Um, How do you but, spell? Uh, yeah. The, uh, S-M-Y-N-R-A. S-Y-M-R-N-A. There we go. Oh, it's a good type of fig, man. Look how plump and juicy they are. Man. It's definitely ready to get off the tree, right? Right. Uh, so this would be like a fig of that caliber right there. You're talking like late September, October-ish. Um, but the fruit in this parable wouldn't have the opportunity to, to get to that point. Also, Buddha is said to have meditated under a Bodhi tree, which is also a fig tree. So I think that's interesting. But you'll see the cross-section of the fig here. Um, so what happens is female wasp will crawl into that after having um, fertilized it and she'll lose her wings when she crawls into it so every time you eat a fig you're actually eating a wasp uh just for like some symbolism uh the, when you cut the fig in half it does kind of look like a a yoni or a vagina yeah. and also it's filled with seeds uh so another like symbolic idea of uh, sexual activity from eating of the fig or apple. I'll type in uh, fig wasp maybe so we can see a, an example of that real quick because the horticulture of the fig is very interesting because there's no other way they can be pollinated. Yeah, there we go. Um, now, here's what's really wild. At that time, this didn't mean that. But what what can wasp mean today? A white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Jesus. So, yeah, right? And so Jesus for for real, for real. So, uh, yeah, so think of that in the context of this, that the modern-day Israel couldn't exist without all the wasps fertilizing it. And so, yeah, man. But will it bear fruit? <laughs> we I don't know you. because Adam's still sleeping. Love okay. 
Okay, thanks. I just wanted to riff on that. Yeah. Morgan? Um, yeah, keep going. Um, so I wanted to get into the river again for a second. I'm sorry that we're going backwards, but... Let's get baptized, man. It's in the sky so also. So I just kind of wanted to get to that also and just kind of put out there what I do know. Um, uh, it's called the urn or the situla or the urina by the Latins and Pliny making a distinct constellation of the latter. And by the line of fainter stars, which are a bunch of Greek like one, two, three, it's four Greek um, symbols. Uh, and others indicate the water running down to the mouth of the southern fish, or as it is occasionally drawn, uniting the river Eridanus. Um, Spence commenting on this figure in the Farnese Globe and its description by Manilus. And then it says a bunch of Greek words, but I don't know that. But it, it said it's a familiar imagery of Ezekiel um, and of the Revelation. What are you reading from? Uh, it's the sign of Aquarius. Dude, that's that's what's up because Aquarius, his heel... Uh, the the fish you're talking about the southern fish is the heel of aquarius and that's where you find the royal star of fomal how and that's also listen i stayed up all night reading about just started <laughs> about aquarius and i ended up in like medieval uh jewish philosophy okay yeah i think it all has its roots there so i it wouldn't does. be surprised if the river that's unnamed is probably like the river ariandus it is. It's aerodynamic. Yep. Yeah, the flows from the heel. The crone aspect of, you know, the witch. It actually flows from the heel of Orion, I think, uh, mm -hmm. from a stone at his heel. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's also fascinating. Um, I wish I could give you guys these Greek letters because they obviously mean something. And, um, yeah, it says Hargrave's Rosicrucians has an illustration of an object showing an Egyptian cross in a disc with our present symbols of Leo and Virgo or Scorpio supporting or purporting to be from the breast of a mummy in the Museum of the London Museum. It's probably uh, also the basis for the Globus Crucifer. It's like a cross yeah. on top of the globe. It, or the cross a the southern cross yeah yeah his research um, is oh hold on it's, go ahead oh i've been on a trip on eric uh since last sunday when i was looking up names for my D, &D character for the uh slow burn that right we did on. on sunday and uh i was looking up some norse names and i came across erickson and it means um, the son of the eternal ruler. So Eric means eternal ruler. So there's a lot of places like Eridu, uh, Iraq, Iraq, Ur, 
all these different places have some type of eternal ruler aspect to them. And um, she brought that up to me earlier when we were talking, Morgan and I, of uh, I asked her what the three faiths uh, were celestially, celestially, and she said uh, er Eridanus. And from Dan, Dan is always on the outside of everything. He's always like not really involved, but there he's kind of like the ophucus of the zodiac he's like half in and half out um not really completely in and he's always uh he's the judge he's the one that judges so he's like outside of uh israel also and so the eternal ruler outside of us would be iridanus and so it would be the so if that is where the rivers all come from, that is the eternal uh, like whale, basically, outside of our Earth or our reality and space. So I just wanted to uh, kind of get it. Because also, it's very interesting because there is a famous person who talks about the Sumerians whose name is Eric. Eric von Danken, and uh, that almost has like a direct correlation to Eridanus and Vaughn in Norse mythology. And Eric is, uh, was the first. The people yeah. outside of uh, uh, the center, basically. So outside, if they weren't in the Acer, they were Vaughn. Uruk was the name of the first king of uh, Russia, I think, which is on the outside. Yeah, around the outside, around the outside. <laughs> uh, you have something yeah, that, you want to say? That's Joshua? it for me. Sorry. That was good, Dan. Thank you for that context. That was great. Yeah, um, I think in Celtic, uh, Eric refers to power. So, which I think is very similar in a sense, because the the ruler would be typically the most powerful. Um, and then the Eridanu, the Eridanu thing uh, reminds me too of you mentioned how uh, Dan was related to lions. A R I is Ari, such as Ariel. Which means lion of God. So Ari Danu might be also referring to a lion um, of Dan in a sense, which I, I kind of find very interesting. I didn't really think about it until just now. But uh, one of the seven, or excuse me, one of the ten wonders was the mouth of the world or the mouth of creation. I couldn't remember what it, how it phrased it. Uh, but there was a well was the last one, but then one of them also was the mouth of something. And it kind of made me think of a uh, river because that's a river term. So it's, like well, it's because river. blood was shed. It's because Cain killed Abel. And so what happened was is the earth opened her mouth and drank the blood. Well, oh, by the way, this earthquake that occurred opened a 200 mile rift, by the way. Should I call sir? Made me think of it when you said that. Okay, I have something I'm to add concerned. though. 
I'm concerned about CERN. But anyway, um, okay, so it, this has to do with the form halt. Uh, so Barney and Ganymede, the cupbearer of Jupiter, he holds the cup or the little urn in his hand and climbs downwards and is always pouring out of it, as indeed he ought to be, to be able from so small of a source from a river which you see running from his feet and making so large a tour over all of this part of the globe. Which, um, it, and that's that's coming from sick profiat urana, um, which means, and so the urn flows on, adding, which seems to have been a proverbial expression among the ancients taken from the ceaseless flowing of this urn in which might be not uh, inapplicable now. When certain ladies are telling a story or certain lawyers are pleading, Geminos in 77 BC made a separate constellation of this stream. And it's a bunch of Greek letters. I'm sorry. I don't know Greek. The, the pouring forth of water. But the word forth is is capitalized. Um, so I think that's important. But Eratos also called this as a well of the water, although the latter he included Beta Ceti and the star form halt. Formal halt. So that's an Aquarius. Because, you know, like as above, so below, like when you start doing things that you're not supposed to do, like the const naming constellations that don't belong where they are, like people have messed that up. So it'll have an effect on us as well, you know. Well, and we what, have an effect on that. What was it that Jesus says to uh, that somebody asked him for a sign and said, "What sign shall I see?" Or when, when we know that you're going to a wicked generation will get no sign, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. It, it was, some, was. I thought he was, was spit out on the shores of. He was he was spit out on the shores of Nineveh by a whale after mm -hmm. refusing to serve Yahweh by going and preaching repentance. So that's the sign is that a man will come preaching repentance to a sinful people like Babylon. But here's the thing about that story is that um, he didn't want to go, but because he did, many were saved because Yahweh didn't want to have to destroy it. Um, so he sent him there on purpose, but he didn't think that the people would want, want to be saved. So he did go. Because, yeah, but but not by his own free will. He, right, but in the Greek tragedy of the same story, Ganymede kills himself. Right, so he becomes the biggest moon of Jupiter. He was the cupbearer. He was the Job. So I guess it's just a reminder: like <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, right? I thought there was something Is about this the verse you were uh, referencing the return. Me here. Uh, how how do we know when Jesus is returning? Was something about uh, pouring out the water? Oh, maybe you're thinking of the Aquarius reference. Whenever Which they ask, you, go ahead. You go ahead. I'm so sorry. Um. When his disciples are asking him about what dude radio free albumuth just showed up in the left tab, that is about FOMO how. That's weird that the algorithm did that. 
which by the way, Albamuth in Arabic means great fish or whale. That's what the book's all about. Yeah. And it comes from Fomalhaut, the star, the satellite there. That satellite transmits down to the humans on Earth and they all overthrow and rebel. It's pretty wild that that popped up. <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking about it a few episodes back, I think. So it's definitely got oh, me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Me. <laughs> I can um, tell you where it's from. Um, it's from the it in Bailey's History de la Astronomy Ancienne uh, from Paris in 1775. Dude, the verse is right there. It's just too yeah. creepy and weird that it. <laughs> I mean, what are the odds of that? Yeah, that really, sakes. that's a trip. So, um, um, you see, uh, there's been some stories about whales swallowing people lately and spitting them out. So, believe it or not, <laughs> it's... it's not now, like, what? Is this real? Yeah, it's happened quite a few times. So, I don't know if that qualifies, <laughs> but... It's happened a number of times. None of them have been preaching repentance to a sinful world, however. So it's not quite, it's like uh, shadows of the sign of Jonah, but not quite what we were expecting. My phone just said, be careful of your shadow self. Like literally. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) But that would be the Southern fish, the whale uh, of Jonah, so to speak, because Pisces is two fishes. Whereas mm-hmm. the southern fish is is one great or large fish, which it could even be Leviathan for that matter. I mean, the word used isn't necessarily fish. It's just great sea creature. And Leviathan is a kosher animal, of course. So it's not necessarily a bad creature. It's just kind of looked at that way. But um, Yahweh even kills it and feeds his people with it. So kind of an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> but great fish are well liked uh, in some regard. They have to have fins and scales to be kosher. So that would be the the, the qualifications there of Leviathan cool. or the southern fish in this case. Oh, Joshua, the, you- the heels in the mouth, by the way. And there's another parable about uh, finding a coin in a mouth. There's a parable about that. Go ahead, women. I was just going to ask, do you try to live by the, what is it, 620 rules? Well, obviously, none of us can do that. And see, that's what made Christ's sacrifice so awesome, because even though we can't do it, he did do it. And um, because not being able to do it is why they would have to sacrifice animals to cover their sins. So in other words, they kept what laws they could and whatever they couldn't keep, the blood covered them the rest of the way. And that's what the um, Yom Kippur was all about, Judgment Day. So they would bring their fruits to the temple or their scapegoats to the temple, etc. And they were expected to use like the best of their flock, for instance, and things of that nature, um, first fruits, so on and so forth. And so they would bring their best to the temple and sacrifice it to the cover of their sins. Well, Christ put an end to all that with his death, but that didn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't still observe the law in so much as trying to do what he, cause he kept it, you know, those were his footsteps. So the way I see it is um, when we use the word, the law, it's kind of like a trigger for a lot of people because they think, Oh, we don't have to do the law, but really the law actually involved 
more or less the feast days. Um, so all the directions and explanations on what to do consisted of the law. So when we say 613 laws, really, it's like, well, you know, when the moon is first visible after the spring equinox, blow your horns to signify the new month. That's a commandment for the priest. So that would be like an example of a commandment or a part of the law. Really, that's just beginning the year. And so that's how the holidays or as it were, or the feast days of Yahweh were established, which there were seven of. And so the menorah represents those seven holy feast days. So the that's the law. And so because we've gotten away from that, that's why now it's so popular for people to, even though they might be Christians, they still maybe do traditions of man, like Christmas trees and stuff like that, because we've departed from the law. So I think it's very important that it be acknowledged for that reason, um, because Christ did tell us that he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So the way I kind of look at it is like he's the light that illuminates the scripture. You can have just the law, but that's like just having the book. Um, you can have just the light, but then you don't have the word. I think they're always originally intended to be combined, which is the way I think it's uh, the Old Testament predicts Christ. You know, he's part of prophecy and he's foretold. Um, so it's a fulfillment and it's meant to be married together. And I think that that's part of the mystery that will be revealed to us at some point. I, um, uh, I have some, I have some stuff here that's gonna maybe help point to that. I have this, uh, article, the promise of Aquarius pouring out of the Holy spirit. Uh, this is from, uh, it's an evangelical and politics and religion website. It says Aquarius, the sixth sign in the gospel and the stars, represents the promise of the Holy Spirit. The 12 signs of the solar zodiac are divided into three groups, with each group having a specific focus, according to the seminal work produced by Joseph Augustus Cease in the 19th century, used at the basis for this series. The second group, including Capricornus, Aquarius, Pisces, and Aries, focuses on the fruit of Jesus' redemption, namely the church. Cease defines the church as the body of people spiritually born to him through faith and made partakers of the benefits of his redemptive administrations. He points to the sixth sign as God's zodiac, Aquarius, as representing Jesus Christ, the water of life and to the comforter sent to guide believers, the Holy Spirit in John 16. Aquarius in Latin means the water pourer. In the horoscope, Aquarius is depicted by a man whose shoulders are marked by two stars. Saddle Melik on the right shoulder, meaning the record of pouring out, and Saddle Sud on the left shoulder, meaning he who pours out. His right knee is marked by the star Scott, Scat, meaning he who goes and returns. What mythology has dubbed Ganymedes, the bright, glorified, and chosen cupbearer of the father of the gods, is a pagan version of the sacred. The Greeks and Romans believed that Aquarius represented Aphrodite and Venus, both embodying a moon goddess. 
but what were the pagan images created to mask? In truth, the water bearer is the one who pours out living water to refresh his people, uh, Numbers 24 and 7 and Corinthians 10.4. Jesus said, whoever drank the water he offered would never thirst. His water shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John 4.14, water is not only living, but it gives everlasting life. From his urn, Jesus poured out the exaltless reservoir of all the full fullness of renewing, comforting, and sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, he says. It is no coincidence that water repeatedly used as a symbol in the Bible as purifying is also represented by a constellation that represents the life-giving purity and regeneration, regenerating power of divine grace and salvation. Isaiah 32, 1. 2 and 33 21 wherever fresh water is poured cease writes uh sinking strength recovers dying life rekindles perishing nature revives a thousand delights are awakened and everything rejoices and sings with new begotten life aquarius also points to the fulfillment of prophecy he suggests in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah 44, 3, and Joel 2, 28, the Holy Spirit, sees writes, is the glorified pour forth from heaven of the blessed waters of life and salvation, of whom the picture and the sign was the prophecy of foreshowing. The Holy Ghost was in the world from the beginning, but here was the promise of a new and enlarged grant and endowment to life, to lift, nourish, and distinguished Christian believers. Um, I mean, I was kind of stopped there, but uh, I, I think that's interesting because uh, Morgan was talking about the urn, which is in uh, Aquarius, and and the life, the waters that flow from uh, the Garden of Eden don't have a name. But if it's in the stars, then those life waters pour out, and that's a symbol of renewing and cleansing. Then uh, when we get to the age of Aquarius, that's going to be a new cleansing. Yeah. Some new purification. Yeah, and, and it is purification. John refers to, to uh, about the baptism of water, but then he talks about the one who will come and baptize with fire. And Christ also makes this reference when he says, I come to um, set fire on the earth. What will I if it already be kindled? So he's, it could be referencing this pouring out of the Holy Spirit that is likened into a, like a fire. Because for those that are sinful, it will be a fire. But those who are saved, it won't. It'll be a cleansing, like you kind of said there. This uh, answers the question I think you asked me, Morgan. I can't remember who exactly was, <laughs> but um, but this is one of those. He enters. You know, he talks to his disciples about where to find him before the uh, for the Passover meal, and mm -hmm. uh, he says he's in the upper room of the house. Look for the man bearing a pitcher and follow him into the house. So that's yep. the house of Aquarius. We refer to the zodiacal mm -hmm. houses as such. So I think yes. this is a really telling. Um, verse here and the formal house star is in the heel which the heel crushes the head of the serpent so I, that's in genesis that oldest curse and prophecy that i'm aware of 
So I think that mm-hmm. the Aquarius is just chock full of stuff. But I did see a flaw in the article that we had up. Um, I'm not. There sure will be it. because it's for people are like moving the stars, like. Well, well, the the I don't know which one it was, but it may not be up here right now. But it said something about Pisces being the fishes, and that the Christians would make the symbol of the fish mm-hmm. with their feet. Well, it, it wasn't Pisces. It's the southern fish that Morgan was talking about, which is at the heel of Aquarius. So it's wrongly associated with Pisces, which is two fishes. They didn't make Ooh. two fish. They made one. Interesting. Fish. And so, and I think they didn't do it with their toes either. I think they did it with their heel. Their heel. Because that's where the heel star is. So I think that that's common misconception is that it's just Pisces because people are largely ignorant about the Southern fish. But is that actually a certain time, the two fishes? Or or so what's the single fish then? Is that an actual... uh, by happenstance, no. it's at the heel of Aquarius. So I can see why the confusion would result because Pisces do represent the feet of man, and it's the last sign before you go back to Aries, which is the head. So it's easy to make that. If you didn't study the stuff, I could see how it could be easy to mix it up, but it's really a singular fish that's a great fish. So you're not just making a small fish when you're making that symbol. You're making the symbol of a huge fish, which is the sign of Jonah. So, yes, you know, and then that I movie heard. Radio Free Album Move, that's they make there's a scene in the movie that they make a really big deal about that because he sees that he meets a girl that has that a necklace charm of that, and he has like a flashback. I guess he had like a past life or something when he was a persecuted Christian or something like that, but anyway, freaked me out. So, if uh, it wasn't the age of Pisces, what was it? That's what I'm trying to understand. Oh, well, it could still have very well been the age of Pisces, but this fish symbol thing specifically relates to the southern fish that's at the base of Aquarius. So, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that makes I mean, sense. Okay, it's just it says geomancy is divination by points on the ground or pebbles arranged in certain figures which have peculiar names. Among these uh, figures is called the Fortuna Major, which is drawn like Neptune, you know what I mean? Like, or the Kabbalion. Uh, and by an effort of the imagination can also be formed out of some of the last stars in Aquarius and some of the first stars in Pisces. In astrology, it was the airy trigon, Gemini and Libra being included. A sign of no small note, since there was no disputing that its stars possessed influence, virtue, efficacy, whereby they altered the air and seasons in a wonderful and strange secret manner. That comes from... Yeah, what's that from? Longfellow. His name is Longfellow. Uh, uh, the Chaldee paraphrase... Oh, no, that was Dante. Sorry, I didn't mean it. Uh, which he does talk about the Jewish banner, Jacob's deathbed. I mean, this, if you were to read this just on Aquarius, it's just all... I mean, it's crazy um it says uh philo mathemat says jupiter and the stinker opposed by saturn and the lion did raise mighty south winds i don't think i really need to explain that 
Uh, it's called The Queer Time Thinker, is what one of the stars is called. Uh, I'm not making this up. Uh, and the um, illuminated, it, hold on. Okay. The astronomers use the sign, the Aquarius sign showing the indulating lines of waves. It is said to have been the hieroglyph for water, the title for Aquarius in the Nile country, where a measuring rod may have been associated with it. Indeed, Burrett drew such in the hand of a figure, Norma Nilocita, as a suggestion of the ancient Nilometer. Um, in the same star, it is, uh, although early uh, authors varied in their ascription to the 12 zodiacal constellations, the 12 tribes of Israel, yet they generally were in accord in um, assigning this to Reuben, unstable water. And that's in parentheses or whatever. But this fountainheads, hold on, this fountainheads of all of this Jewish banner story, Jacob's deathbed addressed to his sons in Egypt and Moses' dying song on Mount Nebo are not clear enough to justify the positiveness to this proper assignment of any of the tribal symbols, if indeed the Israelites had any at all. The little that we have on the subject is from Josephus in the Chaldee paraphrase. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So, do you have anything? Oh, I was just going to follow up on that, Morgan. Yeah. Do you have anything or uh, have you heard anything? Just reading this verse, and for those listening, this is Luke 22, verse 10. And he said to them, Lo, in your entering into the city, there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him to the house where he doth go. So does follow him to the house, does that does that ring any bells or does that mean anything? Well, it is a house. Yeah. I mean, but okay. it, you so you have like your natal chart has a house assigned to, you know, your zodiacal will, but then we're also in a side area, like we're transiting. So it's kind of confusing. Uh, but yeah, there's houses assigned to that. Do we know what's after Aquarius? The Pisces. Well, sometimes people say we go backwards. We don't know. You don't know. Okay. We know because, uh, like I said, like you can geomance and move the stars around. So we could uh, say an Aquarius. Think Aquarius. after Aquarius is Capricorn. Am I wrong? Well, that's if you're going backwards, but yeah. yeah. That's Capricorn. yeah. So it's it's the end. Well, that that's how okay. the supposedly that's how the ages go. They go backwards. Like it went from it went from Aries. Mm -hmm. Uh, to Pisces and then to Aquarius, or pre Aries was uh, uh, fuck. Leo, no, it'd be uh, Taurus, Taurus, yeah, Taurus the bull. So you had a lot of bull worship, then you had ram worship, then you have Pisces, the fish, Jesus, when and then you, you have with Aquarius. And even with uh, Gemini, you get the twin symbolism of Cain and Abel, mm -hmm. Jacob and Esau, et cetera. 
So oh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> Each, uh, each of the houses uh, also correlate to a part of the body. So Aries would start with the head. Taurus is in the throat. Um, and then um, was it Gemini's the arms and then cancers like the harder breasts. And then Leo's the middle of the back or like the um, what they call the solar plexus. And then below that would be your gut, which is Virgo. Um, this is where gestation takes place and the baby grows. And then below that is your Scorpio. That's the genitalia, uh, sacral energies. And then down below that is uh, Sagittarius, which is the thigh. Um, and then after that, you got Capricorn, which is the knees. And then Aquarius are the knee shins. Knee Capricorn. You, then you have, yeah, Sorry. knee Capricorn. Nice. <laughs> I never noticed that. And then uh, the uh, shins are Aquarius, and then the feet are Pisces. The shin is a word oh, for spirit uh, and teeth, by the way. Mm -hmm. So whenever we're talking about pouring out the Holy Spirit, what's actually being poured out of that urn is the shin which is the spirit. And that's what's added to the name yad Hey vav Hey Y-H-W-H, to form, if you add Shin to that, it's yad Hey shin vav Hey, which mm -hmm. is the word for Yeshua or salvation. And you can actually see that man right there on the screen. You, If you pull another tab up and you put in yad Hey vav Hey human or something like that, you you the name of god it, you can put it into the shape of a person so it's the model we're modeled after the temple by the stars and and then the spirit that he put in us in the sabbath is the shin the and so that's the name or the sound that whenever you put your finger in front of your teeth and you go shh, shh shin shh that is what he did to us when he breathed life into us so the shin is the <laughs> That he put into the Yad Hey Vav Hey vessel, Adam, which uh, is really awesome. If you could pull that up, it would really probably be a perfect um, congruency here. Okay, oh, and I, I, I shared a picture. There's a picture in the Telegram of the uh, uh, Hebrew letters as the constellations. By the way, I forgot to mention that. Uh, in the New Testament, Christians of the 16th and 17th centuries likened it to uh, appropriately enough to John the Baptist and Judas Thaddeus, the apostle, although some went back to Naaman, the waters of Jordan, and even to Moses taken out of the water. Its nomenclature has been extensive but consistent. In Greek literature, it was the water pour by Catellius, Hydrochius. And Germanicus, hydro, it's hydrochaos. Although the latter also called it Aquininius, fun, Fundens Latix, saying that it is personal personified Dulac, Ducalion of the Greek deluge in 1500 BC. Uh, Ossianus had Uranum Manilius. Aquaeus Juvenus, or simply just Juvenus, Ganymede, the beautiful Figarian boy of Tros and cupbearer of Jove, 
Boostatius wrote about in uh, Tobias. That's all. I mean, it, this is just full of <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. I'm done. Definitely got some John the Baptist vibes, which again, yeah, he he does. Or talk. like the deluge in 1500 BC. I mean, it marked that. It it's when that you know for that area. Um. So the baptism by water would be like the flooding of the earth, but he also talks about a baptism of fire, which the second destruction of the earth is supposed to be with fire. So it kind of makes me think of the Shin in that regard too. In Chinese uh, zodiac, they use that word a lot. Oh Shin. yeah, it's the spirit. I think in that context, yeah. right? Now, and then I posted a thing in the Telegram of the Yadhe Vavhe and then the Shin Yadhe Shin Vavhe. So yeah. like the literal blueprint of man was made in the image of God. We talked about the image. Um, and God is like what in the sky? <laughs> because this is crazy. Well, some say even the whole entire zodiac itself would be the image of God in that case. It if, is. If our head. You can't and toes. That. Well, I'm just saying that's, that's the more practical way to look at it, I guess, is that we are like a miniature version of him. <laughs> or something like that. So, like what we're seeing on the screen there, reflection would be closer to God <laughs> than what we can really even imagine. But that's that's like the whole universe at the same it's, time. It's really yeah. quite something to ponder. <laughs> but that that does kind of depict the gist of the letters being as above, so below kind of thing. Like the written scriptures, the oral Torah, or whatever it is, uh, any of that would be basically um, from above, which reminds me of the Elder Scrolls from, or like the Elder Scrolls uh, series rather, that uh, all those prophecies that were in the game were from the stars above. And if you studied them too much, you'd go mad. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes, don't you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We're about to, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you got that God is in the sky. Salvation. What's what's that one TV show is a cartoon where it is like little guys and lions and then they'd all come together of Voltron. Oh yeah. Exactly, dude. Or Power Rangers, for that matter. Yeah, Power That's Rangers is like that too. Yeah, interesting. Um, That's super the shin in this case, kind of. So when you see the pictures of Christ pointing to his chest, that's he's pointing to the shin. Is what he's really pointing to in that in that regard. And he's uh, pricking your heart, and you're becoming on fire for God or Christ, as they say. Um, that means you have this. You have the shin in you. You've awakened it. Or it's awakened you, I guess. And notice also how it looks like a W. So I wanted to comment on this when Morgan was reading about Aquarius and the glyphs being like water waves. I'll take well, a picture. They also look like the shin, in my opinion. And what part of the body is Aquarius associated with? The shin. <laughs> right. So 
uh, I think it's kind of funny to consider that too. And um, which foot is Fomalhaut in, the right or the left? Well, I think it's in the right because it would be in the right shin, which is sh. And mm. if you accent the left shin, it's sin. You take the H out. So the left accent is sin. The right accent is shin. So the right heel crush, it will be the one that crushes the head, so to speak, of the serpent, not the left, but the right. So I think that's a really interesting hidden mystery. I've never really heard talked about, but after studying the shin and all that, <laughs> that's the conclusion I've come to is that, um, Oh, and, and Benjamin, for instance, refers to the strong right arm of the Lord. He was the first tribe to be born in the land that they it was full of giants. And so these little humans made in the image of God come into and come into this land and kill all the giants. And then Benjamin was the first child born in that land. So he so it's uh, strong arm of the Lord was his name, basically kind of yeah. really wild stuff isn't it <laughs> yeah no it, this is crazy i'm gonna send these pictures to you guys um it's every star that makes up the constellation aquarius and it has the the lift the magnitude and the color as well mm, i oh, think i have yeah. that here I on that page that I, the page that i read earlier but you uh i think you really knocked a shin out of that one that's awesome uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, you think about Aquarius the same, will you? It's that so that vase he's holding is full of, of shin. Well, then yeah. if you want to get really down into it, then you go to the Southern Cross, and that is actually where it gets really fucking weird. Excuse my French, but hold on, because that's my favorite constellation. Because nobody can really. So basically here, your Yud would be Aries, your Hay would be Gemini, uh, your Vav would be Scorpio, and then your bottom Hay would be um, Virgo. And that's what makes this, this study right here really helps to drive home the impact of the 923-2017 sign in the sky that's actually fulfilled in Revelation 12. One through seven, where it talks about the man, uh, man child being born from the woman travailing in birth, and then the red dragon wanting to eat her child. Uh, you'll see that Virgo's in the sky, and Jupiter was in her for um, retrograde and then back out again, uh, but for a total of nine months through the legs, which is the bottom hay. And um, that occurred, of course, on that day, which a lot of people think began to pretty wild stuff but this model right here i think really drives home that point you know like it's all modeled in the sky and it's all with the blueprints you know <laughs> it's, it's just hard to even fathom sometimes like how <laughs> it's all possible but it, and i can see why it makes people go mad you know because it's like you crack reality or something it's wild no mad so like Sorry. Nomad, what do you think about that? Quiet. Well, uh, what speci what specifically? <laughs> I mean any any of the uh constellation ideas or 
Yahe Shen Vahe, uh, being God in the sky. What's uh, what's your thoughts? Um, I don't know. Nothing really stood out to me to comment on. Uh, I think it. Have, have you ever heard? Interesting. Yeah, have you ever heard of that before? No, that, it's the first time. Yeah. You're it's about pretty, to hear it all. It's pretty yeah. fascinating to me. I've never. But that's never that's why the name before. is so powerful. It's uh, a yeah, yeah. it's all in a name. It's crazy. And this name was exalted above all others. So that's what makes salvation. I think that's it's unfortunate that we just don't call him salvation because we lose so much in the translation of the name and everything. And it's the idea is salvation. And yeah, so I, I like when I witness to people, I try to use his the meaning of his name more so than the name because it causes a lot of division in the christian community like people get crazy mad over it sometimes <laughs> so yeah. i try to i try to find yeah. a way to like relate to people that wasn't so offensive yeah that's why i always go back to the fruit of the spirit because to me that's yeah. like that is what the essence of christ is right we could get we could get divided easily on the semantics of like different names but if we're actually looking at the fruit of what these spirits are these these teachers are saying that's kind of i think how we get closer to the truth exactly and that's what he's looking for is is the fruit exactly what were you saying about the red dragon oh uh that appears i think in verse 7 revelation 12 7 so this very same woman that we're seeing in the night sky she i think is the one that's being referred to in genesis when uh it talks about her the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent well, in this sign, we see Virgo um, appearing in the night sky with the moon at her feet, as it says in the verse, and a crown of 12 stars. Well, normally Leo is always above Virgo with nine stars, but in this particular mm -hmm. instance, there was also Mercury, Mars, and Venus making 12. So she was not only with the moon at her feet, not only with the crown of 12 stars, but also had Jupiter, the king planet, within her for nine months and birthed through the legs on that very same day. And then the red dragon, what is the red dragon, you ask? Well, it's it's interesting because NASA actually blocked this part of the sky out with black. So, what? But what was there was this image you can probably still find it in images but they they blotted it out um it was uh a big just looked like a big red glow with two smaller things inside some people think it might be what's called the destroyer or what that the colburn bible refers to as the destroyer um but there's a lot of speculation about it being the red dragon when sometimes nibiru appears to be rather menacing looking so some folks have speculated it could even be Nibiru, something returning. So uh, I don't know. I, I personally think it might be Saturn because Saturn a lot of times is depicted as a snake biting its tail, kind of like Jormunger in Norse traditions. Um, but, uh, but Saturn was very nearby the birth of that. So if Saturn is indeed the dragon, which I think is kind of interesting because Saturn traditionally in Greek stories, right? What did what did Kronos do to his children? Ate all of them. Ate them. Yeah. And I think that this what's really wild to me 
is the only one he didn't eat was Zeus, who was a stone. Uh, Rhea gave him a stone that was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Oh, that <laughs> so sounds we familiar. See, we already see this starting <laughs> where he overthrew him. And then the stone also becomes the bane of the giants later, like with David and Goliath. But uh, Saturn was always associated with like Titans and giants and stuff like that. And the eating of people and whatnot, which even the Greeks found abhorrent. So I've always found that very, very, very interesting that that tradition kind of held fast. Um, And even the name Jesus is Greek. Jesus has this. Everything's Greek. So um, there could be a hint there that these stories really go back to some work that God did before we were even a thought of perhaps, but that's speculation perhaps, but because uh, Jehovah is another name used for him as well, which is a title actually it just means uh, almighty God almighty praise God. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, um, the- I think you guys, the crux and that's where the Sula, the beam of crucifixion, or the Shula claimed it for the South Pole of the Hindu astronomers. Um, I sent that to you guys in the telegram. I'm sorry, I sent a bunch of pictures, but uh, well, the Hindu the Hindu astronomers would probably refer to this dragon as Rahu and Ketu, which is a split serpent in the sky. Um, one part is the head, one part's the tail, which um, again could also maybe relate to serpents kata, which is serpent tail. And serpents kaput, which is the head. So the head of serpents kaput could be the one that's getting smashed or crushed here in this context. So a lot of times I think that the stars kind of hold some key contextual clues that maybe what we're to, to maybe what we're reading. Absolutely. So that's why Revelation 12 is so significant to September 23rd, 2017. There's even a really popular meme. Of that, if you were to just type in that date, 9-23-2017 and Revelation 12, you'll get a really good graphic to show that could kind of sum all that up. 9-23 what? 9-23-2017, which by the way, that date is 33 days after the great American eclipse that occurred on 8-21-2017. And uh, eclipse is oftentimes seen as a wedding ring. So whenever you uh, see the wedding ring, it's got a big diamond on it, right? Well, when mm-hmm. eclipse occurs, you get these phenomena known as Bailey beads. So it's like a ring with a diamond on it. So it's kind of like a wedding. And then you had the birth as well. Um, and of course, the crowning of the child when it's being born, which followed right after the 2017 eclipse we had the corona virus crowning of the child crown virus which what's the symbol of the world health organization but a serpent <laughs> so i don't That's know just, i came and too coincidental right ridiculous right? no it's not or they're making it up and trying to make think that it, you know what i mean like that's where i'm at like okay well they did put serpents they put the python derived squalene from Mm -hmm. pythons in the everglades they for the first time ever normally they would get this substance from sharks but this time they got it from serpents down in the everglades 
and they put that in every single vaccine. So I kind of think it's weird and interesting that right after this sign in the sky, that happens. And so, but these graphics well, usually don't show Saturn, unfortunately. Um, well, Saturn's just order. It's so, it because it's kind of like off the corner, it's, it's a little bit further to the left. So a lot of times it doesn't make it into the graphic, but it should be on there because that personally think that that would be the dragon. But then again, yeah. um, also you could even type in NASA cover up probably on there with it. <laughs> it might even show the red or, or put red dragon with it or NASA red dragon, something like that. But it was a controversy, dude. They totally, that's what it is. That's what they blacked out right there. NASA blocked it out. You couldn't view it from the Hubble or whatever. So what do you think that is? It certainly looks like a dragon, doesn't it? Well, and I know that I had this up earlier, but uh, Elon Musk had a huge thing about the red dragon. Elon Musk oh my goodness. begins with red dragon. That's, so. it does, that's, that's, that's the same time, man. Look, that's a year. It before. does. September 27th. <sighs> 2016. Yeah, that guy is when the article was. Yeah, for sure. Keep that lizard man away. No shit. And y'all, people are going to be worshiping him like he's a god in like a hundred years. Isn't that nuts to think? He does want to put. uh, They will have altars for him. What was it? The Neuralink. He wants to put that in everybody's head. Yeah, and did you see that Mr. Beast recently in a podcast said, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get that. Sign me up. I'm going to make so much money. Mr. And Beast? M- yeah, he's like this big uh, like YouTuber guy, like one of the biggest, right? And all the kids look up to him, and then he's pushing oh, the yeah. link. And if you look at it, Mr. Beast, it's like Mark, right? What? MR, Mark of the Beast almost. Oh, man. And his symbol is the, uh, what is it? Let me look. Type in logo. Yeah, what do you see here? A one-eyed uh, thunderbolt with a thunderbolt coming out of his eye. The like Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, no shit. Is that a was blue it, was, tiger, was some, a blue lion, uh, blue cat? What Lady Gaga. Wasn't there, a, wasn't there a prophecy about a leopard or something? There is a beast yeah. that comes out of the sea, I think, in Revelation 13. Um, uh, also in first blue Peter five, eight through nine, um, the Satan's likened into a lion that prowling, prowling is searching for who he may devour. Blah, 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 sorry. And also yeah. in Zechariah eleven seventeen, there's a reference to one eye, the right eye specifically being darkened, uh, for idle shepherds. So you'll see lady Gaga even pose where she's covering up one eye and has a lightning bolt under the left. So mm-hmm. That's and they're then, referencing their daddy when they do that. And Satan's fall like lightning. Isn't that what, what yeah, exactly. that? Um that Luke I posted it in the tell uh, the chat <laughs> earlier. Real quick. Oh Luke 10 18. I know I saw Satan fall a bolt of lightning out of the sky. And oh, see what I've given you safe passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The one I posted was Isaiah 14. Um, it was about it. Lucifer being likened into a tree. I posted that earlier when we were talking about the tree of knowledge and good and evil, actually. Not I talked, I sent a million pictures. I do apologize for that. But it's all good. 
question. Was there something you wanted me to pull up out of that, Morgan, or just for us to reference later? Oh, just for your guys' like pleasure. If you you know get bored okay. and want to learn about that constellation, you go right ahead because it's chock full of the cross. Book was written, yeah, the cross. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite one. But um, this book was written. I have to let you guys know when this book was written because it's on. Um, well, it was written in 1899. The ribs right above the highlighted part is talking about Al-Sharif. The ribs. Oh, yeah. We mm -hmm. were talking about Eve being made from the rib earlier. Or maybe we didn't get because quite that far. But here it's talking about yeah. the ribs. What's this part okay. there? Let me get back. Get back Morgan and I have uh, started a show called The 88 which is about the constellations of the sky. And we're going to go through all the 88 Word. constellations. Jeez, so cool. And, um, nice. and we're starting with an alphabetical order. So uh, our first episode will have Aquarius in it. And Morgan is, as you can see, been doing a lot of research on Aquarius. So uh, we'll be getting into that next week. Yeah. I love the stars, man. They they tell you what you need to know, and they don't lie. But uh, where did you see that? About the it was lead? page one eighty five. Okay. And here we see the beast out of the sea. So that I kind of think this references like the marine kingdom, or the devil in the deep blue sea and his authority. Also, the concept of Joshua, son of Nun, which is a character we see come. Uh, right after the first exodus and he basically goes on a campaign for yahweh and to destroy all the giants in the land so mm -hmm. today we would look at that as a genocide um so to them he was like this beast this antichrist type character because he was even likened to a uh, uh like a ream ox or what is called a unicorn, which we see the Antichrist associated with a unicorn a lot for some reason. So it's basically this character that will come and he Joshua brought the law as well. So he'll it's it's very interesting to me, like all those weird ways it kind of relates to that. But um it uh it says it crossed it, his divine beast. And they just came out with something on Disney called The Mandalore. I don't even know, but so uh, Star Wars Mandalorian, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, but it's what that means is it's literally an almond. Uh, is the word used in Latin art for Vesica Pisces of <clears throat> of long glory surrounding the bodies of the saints ascending to heaven? Oh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and you know, uh, Dante and in his Inferno uh, did pretty much did a spell on these stars. You know, uh, he said, "Thence we come forth to rebuild the stars in Inferno." And in Purgatorio, he wrote, "Pure and disposed to mount onto the stars." And then in Paradiso, he wrote, "The love which moves the sun and the other stars." So that was his third, like, encanto on. You know, it takes three times. So, yeah. Yeah. It almost makes me wonder if the sign of Jonah is somehow related to this beast from the abyss. I mean, 
<laughs> what's going on here? You know, it's pretty wild stuff when you start really thinking about it. Because we know. studied the abyss when we were first reading Genesis in the very beginning. You know, that too was the spirit moved over the waters, the abyss. So I would be interested to know if that's the same. I mean, of course, that's Hebrew to Greek, but I would be interested to know if that's the Septuagint would be Old Testament also in Greek. So I guess if we looked at the Septuagint, which I have one. I do see that. Hold on. That would be interesting to see if it's the same abyss. And the Sumerian um, Enki uh, goes to the Absu. And it's like referred to as like an abyss type of place. Um, oh, and Marduk was his son, right? So this yeah. beast we're reading about in Revelation 13 could be Marduk. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We just talked about that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. We did. <laughs> we always talk about stuff like this. Though. Well, he may very well be Orion then because he had a net that he used in his battle with Tiamat. And Orion has a net too. And uh, so they all got little sacks. Yeah. What's in that? What's in that? What do you think that is? Sackcloth ashes. Oh, and the little pouch. Pole sacks. Yeah. That's what they are. And so they're trying to get the arrow, like the, I guess the pole in the hole or whatever. And once they do that and make that loop or what, I don't even know how to explain it, but that's. That's what it is. It's a sackcloth ash bag. Cold sack. Cold sack. Yeah. Mm. A cold sack. Sack. Hmm. Where um <laughs> I know we went off the rails there a bit. Uh I don't even think we went any further than we got last time. Um no matter, do you remember where we're at? Oh no, we're still at the same. End of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> yeah, verse seventeen. That's kind of where we left off. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, we went on. A, uh, I think maybe long one right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was good though. That's what this is. I love it. I, I like the slower we get through it, the deeper we're going. So it's yeah, um, sure. it looks like the next time. It starts off with, and Jehovah God saith, not good for man to be alone. I do make to him a helper as his counterpart. That's kind of next where we'll be going. And then also it talks about God formeth from the ground every beast of the field, every fowl of the heavens, and bringeth in unto man to see what he doth call it. And whatever the man calleth a living creature, that is its name. Um, but this is kind of where we start to see that beast terminology, right? So I think that will mm-hmm. be interesting to sort of uh, dig into a little bit deeper as well. Kind of like it's happened yeah. like before. Could you read that 185 page about the rib yeah. since he kind of makes a reference oh gosh, to his yeah. helper right here? I okay, don't know wait, if we've uh, got quite that far yet, but that might be a good yeah. place to read. Okay, that. I'm sorry. Um, That's okay, man. Uh, okay. It, its invention as a constellation is often attributed to Royer as of 1679, but it has been the theme of much description from uh, nearly two centuries before him. And we all know that it was illustrated by Molyneux of England 1592 on his celestial globe with others of the new southern figures. And Bayer drew it 
over the hind legs of the centaur, giving in its text as modernus crux, platamo paedis centauri. So Ptolemy has everything to do with that. Bardicus uh, had separately in 1624 and Cecil cataloged it in 1662. Though well-known, hence it seems remarkable that the only outline of the centaur where are you talking about? Because this is not. Is this one? Okay, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, There's a highlighted portion here. It says the four that glorified. Uh, it's right above the cross. Oh, okay, yeah. It says ribs of the okay. hydra. Or oh, you want like that. that? Okay. Yeah, Sigerson was talking about uh, his counterpart is made from the ribs. So that. I guess since that's where we left off, I thought that might be a good place to read about the ribs. So the ribs of Hydra almost makes me think of their... It is. Uh, okay, so, so the it's Corvus. That's the constellation that that's coming. Or no, actually, it's coming out of the Crater Cup. Okay. Corvus fr- Crater and then Hydra, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's just a... Okay. Uh Interesting. I never heard of the crater constellation. Because they pro- it probably doesn't exist anymore. Because they probably turn the skies. Oh, you're right. But sometimes you can still find it, it in the have- Urania one or something like that. Yes, you can find it for sure. We're get actually in Arkansas. We're getting the second most powerful telescope. So if y'all want to come look at the second most powerful telescope, let me know. It'd be so much fun. Um. Anyway. The uh, generous bowl of Bacchus flows and cheers the thirsty pole. And Manilis wrote that little poem. It is the French coupe, the German beecher, and the Italian taza formed by several fourth and fifth magnitude stars above Hydra's back just westward from Corvus and 30 degrees of Dinabola and a partly annular opening to the northwest. This was long considered a part of the threefold constellation, threefold constellation, Hydra at Corvus at Crater. But modern astronomers catalog it separately, Arglander assigning it to its 14 stars and Heiss extending it to the number 35. In uh, Greek days, it represented the goblet of Apollo, but universally it was called something really Greek, I don't know, in which our transliterated title obtained with all Latin, Cicero writing it, Cratera. While Manilis described it as a gracious Acacio crater, so using the mystic poetical name often applied to Bacchus, in ancient manuscripts it appeared to be Crater, Urana, Cephas, Policum, the Cup, Apollo, Bacchus, Hercules, Achilles, uh, Demophon, and Medea. <sighs> the mixing bowl. The Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand, but any connection here would seem doubtful, although the Jews knew it as cost. C O, like a complete O S, a cup. Hewitt also identifies it with the Akkadian Mumutiamat, the chaos of the sea, the mother of heaven and earth, and the child of Tiamat, and the mother of living things. But all this better suits Corvus, 
It was known in England two or three centuries ago, the two-handed pot. That's the the two-handed pot that we were just talking about earlier. Uh, And Smith tells us of a small ancient base in the Warwick collection being an inscription thus translated. Wise ancients knew when craters rose to sight, Nile's fertile deluge had attained its height. Although Egyptian remains thus far uh, show no allusion to the constellation. In early Arabic, it was Al-Malef, Al-Batiya. And that is what they say that we're in right now. And like I was listening to the Jewish, that's like this, I'll send that picture um, in the chat. Uh, the Persian Badier, Al-Batina, Al-Khas. Uh, Alhas, Patera, Vos, Vos Aquarium, Ricoli, Strange, Elvarod, and Farmaz. I cannot trace to their origin. It is more conspicuous stars with X and other Hydra in 22 formed the 10th. It's called a Sui. It's like an end of something. Um, yay, yay, yin. Wings or flanks in the whole constellation may have been the Chinese heavenly dog shot at by Chang, the divinity of the night Sui, and Leo, which also bore that God's name, Cassius, said that the crater represented the cup of Joseph found in Benjamin's sack, or one of the stone water pots of Cana, or the cup of Christ's passion. Others called it the wine cup of Noah, but Julius Schiller combined all of its stars with the part of Corvus as the Ark of the Covenant. Astrological. As the what? Ark of the Covenant. Oh, okay. Whoa. Well, the crater <laughs> almost looks like the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. If, is the crater the Holy Grail? And is that why the dragon lost its wing? Because the Grail is gone? Because it looks like it could also be a wing of Hydra. And Hydra oh almost could be the scepter. <clears throat> so you almost have the uh, the full combo here. Holy if shit. It, if indeed that would be the Ark of the Covenant, then uh, if that was a Leviathan, you have your Levite priests among the, the Ark of the Covenant as well. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to, what, ascend to that constellation? Is that how that works? I don't know how that's going to, what, they're going to levitate to that constellation. Well, each, each tribe was associated with the constellation as well, of course. The Maseroth is what they call that, which they even refer to the Old Testament a lot of times as the Masoretic texts. Mm-hmm. inherently implies that it's I like, call well, it Masoretic. As if the, the constellations wrote the scripture, in a sense. Not wrote. They did. But like, in, it's like told you know reflected yes reflected yes good word Uh, but it's the latin designation for it is fundus basis well describes its position at the base of the cup since it is only since it is the only named star in the figure um and the first lettered so it starts with this x and it's 4.1 magnitude in the color. Guess what, y'all? is fucking orange. <laughs> Jesus. 
Okay, since it has only been oh, blah blah blah, it is now the Lucida. Okay, may have been brighter three hundred years ago, but it is now the Lucida. A has several uh, optical companions and culminates in the twentieth of April, about thirty-two degrees, early due south of Beta Liam Leonis. Um. Uh, beta of 4.2 magnitude at the southern edge of the base was one of Al Tavini's Al Sharaf, the ribs, is what he called it. And this guy, um, Al Tavini, like he is a Jewish philosopher from the um, middle, like ancient Middle Ages, you know. Um, he's really good to look into if you're interested in any of this. Can you read that last sentence again about the ribs? Yes. Beta of 4.4 magnitude at the southern edge of the base was one of Altazini's, and he spelt it. This is what he named it. I can't pronounce it right. Uh, Al, A-L-S-H-A. R A, like a complete A, S I F, the ribs, I E, of the Hydra, and the first, the first of the set. That's very interesting. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. And there's also something about ribs elsewhere in prophecy, uh, in terms of, uh, I think maybe in Daniel. It could even be Revelation, but there's a bear that has three ribs in its mouth. So there would be the only other rib. So that's the north. So that's the North Pole. Ursa. Ursa Major. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the, the pole star. Okay. So that would be like us, our pole shifting, basically. Because this is the crux. This is the southern. The southern, well, they say, I don't know, but it, it, we don't really have one, but if we did, it would be. Some people think that might be even be Russia right now, which took three regions, well, actually four regions, but, you know, they did take a few regions. <laughs> so you could kind of think of that as film, it's belly, you know, and uh, they do call the Russia the bear and but Ukraine is where it began, so it could be That's what I'm the saying. little bear or the big bear, and kind of a weird way to look at it. But oh my god, mm. yeah, mm. we were uh, doing a show with uh, Slick Distant at one time, and he was going over the territories of America and right. Alaska, and I think Michigan. Uh, I think they have representations towards Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. Um, I think even on the flag of Alaska is uh, one of the dippers. I can't remember which one. Uh, but even the state kind of looks like the constellation, the dipper. I mean, roughly. And Alaska means uh, all ashes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's nice. All New Mexico, too. Oh, fuck. 
Is it new? No. Oh, okay. A, I must have misread something. That's a flag of Alaska. No, yes. I read that too. I read You're it not too. Alone, Josh. I read it too, but I don't. I don't think it's exactly like the Alaska flag. So I think it's just mistyped there. That's probably one of the cooler flags. I never realized that it was the the Big Dipper and Polaris. Yeah, and That's Polaris. Yeah. Trying to get that. The North Pole star. Yeah. And then Michigan, it looks like a a little mitt, uh, a mitten. Um, and there's some. I think there's some uh, flags and stuff that have to do with maybe the Little Dipper. Can't recall. It might not even be Michigan. It might be a different state. I can't remember. But we'd have to. I'll have to ask Slick. Ask Gabe. And of course, if you rotate that through the, each season, it forms the swastika or the sun cross. Sun cross. Well, that's the whole goal this entire time. What? Well, right, because now big... by demonizing by demonizing that symbol, right, you're going to throw a lot of people off from looking at it, and they're never going to realize perhaps we're in a geocentric model, right? Yep. Damn. Well, and this topic also is coming up with the Russian war too, because that's why they're going there is to get to the root of that ideology that gave it a bad name. So it's kind of interesting that it's inextricable to the bears here. <laughs> what? Why would that put us in a geocentric model? So. Well, if we're all rotating around Polaris, Polaris. right? Wouldn't that be yeah. instead of instead of around the sun? Oh, uh, well, the star Polaris is the North Star, which always stays in the same spot. So the sky rotates around or the earth rotates around, however you want to look at it. I don't know if that means geocentric or not geocentric. Just means that Polaris it is the means- middle star. I think the North Star might be the star at the top of the Christmas tree. Because in, it I, is. I, in it is, Isaiah yeah. 14, it talks about how Lucifer, it's the sun here, of the morning, Arian is Rod, cut down the Arian road. That's her right there. That is it. And that is who is on the top of your Christmas tree. Arian um, Rod. But it talks about how Lucifer, son of the morning, is cut down to the ground like a tree. So the Christmas tree tradition really is hearkening back to that, which it talks about that in Jeremiah 10, too, like cutting a tree down and decorating it and nailing it to the floor, et cetera. Well, the ornaments, like even like if you go into the Bible and like just look and see the word like ornamental or ornaments and that's like different countries and i'm like what are we doing here like really it's just it's weird how that works out i think the christmas tree is a horrible idea i think the ornaments like the bulbs and stuff could even relate to and the norse traditions a yggdrasil had uh i think eight or nine spheres so the bulbs are probably some type of reference to that but there's probably only supposed to be eight or nine of them, you know, whereas people cover the tree with them. These the days. planets. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's another way to look at it, too. Yes. Well, uh, let's uh, wrap up there and uh, we'll start next week on uh, Genesis 2.18. And uh, we, I think we made it through. Uh, I don't think we actually made it through anything, but. Um, kind of got to 21, though, because we did talk about the ribs. 
Yes. Even though we yeah. didn't read it. That's yeah. Sharif. Can uh, I just word. Fair I'll enough. just add, I'll start off with it with that next time then because there's a lot more that has to do with the the, the South Pole and Magellan and it being magnetic clouds. Excellent. Um yeah. let's uh let's uh wrap it up and um no man tell the tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, so if you guys want to reach out, which I would love to hear from you, just a comment on what you've been hearing, what we've been discussing. I love to get new perspectives. You can find me at nomad.art or on my Patreon, patreon.com slash nomad. Thank you all. This has been really great. Yeah, Joshua. Again, you can find me on Telegram, uh, Solomon Report Chat, or on Instagram at Appalachian Aesthetic. I'm also... Often uh, hanging out with the Weaving Spiders every Wednesday and Saturday. So you can sometimes find me on a live stream there or in the chat. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, once again, yeah. Shabbat Shalom. Excellent. Yeah. Morgan. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at the Morgan B M O R R I G A N B. Uh, Telegram's the same. Um, sometimes I'm on uh, Sunday Slow Burns, so you could probably find me there too. Um, and yeah. Uh, and stay tuned for uh, the 88. And, oh, yeah. Uh, we're doing a whole show on Constellation, so wish yeah. us luck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, you can find me on Instagram too at Danunaki Dan. And uh, send me anything that you, you want to ask. If you have any questions about what we're talking about, if you have anything to add, uh, send it to the, me there. Um, as always, it's all love. Thank you for listening. Catch y'all later. Love y'all. Bye. Raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining, it's a celebration. Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining, it's a celebration. Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God keep giving me grace I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise Giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks